Welcome to Teachings in the Air. Air, Air. Welcome to Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkaminam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit, because that's what health means. Hello, this is Teachings in the Air with Jerry Oldman. Today's podcast is called Let the Ceremony Begin. It's basically about my journey, and I could say spiritual journey. You know, and I, it took me many, <laughs> a quarter of my life longer. In fact, I'm still learning, I'm still thinking about spirit and creation, and the, the powerful mystery. But my introduction to this world was through Christianity my reserve in my Indian day school and uh, residential school is where I started to receive instruction on Christianity, on Christians. It wasn't until recently that I found out that the word Christian, if you're a Christian, that means you want to be like Christ. From the stories in the Bible, it's a wonderful man. But anyway, as a child, I was been taught, first off, to say prayers, uh, Our Father, the Hail Mary, the act of contrition. You know, I was going through the system and um, being taught. You know, uh, about um, communion, where I go to a confession to cleanse myself of sins and have penance, then have the body of Christ through the host, communion, holy communion. So I learned about that and went through that, but I also was learning about heaven, purgatory, and hell. <clears throat> you know, it was very, it was, when I think about it, it was a fear-based system for me, personally for me. You know, and I learned about hell. It's down, you know, like in the center of the earth or somewhere down there was the impression I had, and heaven is above. And that he hell, if you went to hell, it's an etern eternal damnation, eternal suffering with the devil. And if you go to heaven, you make it to heaven, it's happiness and you know, a good life with God. Then, of course, there was purgatory, which is between heaven and hell, that you could be stuck in there unless someone, unless they do holy masses for you and do rituals for you or ceremonies so you can continue on. Anyway, that's what I was learning, right or wrong. That's what my mind was sorting out. You know, and I, I was afraid of sinning. You know, when they're teaching about mortal sin, that a mortal sin is it leaves a black mark on your soul. And you have enough of those and you're going to go to hell. Unless you go to confession and holy communion and ask for forgiveness from God. So my experience was fear-based and as a result I had anxiety about going to hell. 
worried, disturbed, you know, and uh, feeling somehow guilty. And I heard that um, if you aren't baptized, there's no way you're going to get to heaven. When I heard that, I thought about all my ancestors that did not know Christ. And in my mind, I was saying, do you mean, you, you're going to tell me that all my ancestors went to hell because they, they didn't know Christ? They didn't get baptized? So I, it was in high school, at the residential school, I started to question when we were taking lessons. I started to ask questions about, I guess you can say the miracles, rising from the dead, going to heaven alive, you know, those teachings. And I asked how this could be like Immaculate Conception. And their brother told me, Jerry, you have to have faith. You have to believe. That answer did not sit well with me. So I started to oppose the church's authority. You know, I didn't, uh, by not going to church, not going to a confession, not taking Holy Communion, I would go to church, you know, one of my relatives had a funeral, Christian-style funeral, or my friends, or a wedding, I would go. So I um, started to question this, and I guess you could say rebel, turned against it. You know, and I, I became, I guess you could say, godless in that way at that time. Then it was then I, I started to hear about our ways, our ways of nourishing our spirit, you know, even what a spirit is. You know, so it was, um, you know, I remember one of the, what I had done was I built a sweat lodge and I wanted to, you know, start to train. But that was after getting ahead of myself here. My first actual ritual was running. My, one of my uncles said the best way to train, and it seemed for everything, was to run. Early in the morning, you know, just at the break of dawn, at the crack of dawn, be out there running. Then after that, added um, the ritual of bathing in the cold water. You know, so I started doing that consistently, running and bathing. You know, and it was something that, uh, you know, of course, like being human, I'd be lazy in the morning and say, oh, I don't want to go running today. So I started to do little rituals along with that by um, putting my running shoes right beside my bed, my shorts, my running gear. So as soon as I get up, I'd be dressing up to hit the road. So that was my life as a runner. Then they added bathing. Then I said, when you go down to the water, you take fir boughs on your run or cedar boughs and you go stand in the water before you do your four submersions and brush yourself off, scrub yourself off with those boughs. And I was told that um, that'll make you stronger and it'll cleanse you. So I started to do that, you know, and, uh, oh, you know, the cold water, I didn't like it at first, you know, my fingers would be cold, my toes would be cold. It just wasn't a good, it wasn't, didn't feel good. Until one day, you know, and I was going down and there was snow and ice and I had my bows and I, as I was walking to the water, I started to talk to the water. It became a ritual to me to talk to the medicines. I said, I'm here because I need help and I'm going to turn myself over to you, water. I'm going to give myself to you. And it changed my whole experience and I got into the water and I'm scrubbing myself, you know, and I could smell the boughs, and I can feel, feel, hear the sound of them going by my ears. I'm scrubbing my back, and I all of a sudden I can see clear. I can see around me. I became aware. 
And when I went into the water, it was like, oh, this is so good. This is so beautiful. And I'd submerge myself four times. And as time went on, I would do it longer and longer. So my uncle, not knowing that he's watching or aware that I'm doing this, I, uh, then he says, and if you want to get stronger, you, when you go down to the water after you scrub yourself, you dive under and you look for a round rock. It'll fit into the palm of your hand. Once you find that, then you scrub your, all your muscles with that rock. And of course, that meant being in the water longer. So I started to do that, and I started to, what they say, kozantu, to train myself. So that was my introduction. They did not say this is sacred or this is a ceremony. They just said, do this and you'll be stronger. So it wasn't like, the, I guess you could say in the Christianity, there's that supreme being, that Lord, that um, controlling power. In this one, it was all about myself going out and doing the things, doing the stuff. So I started to do that consistently. You know, and, um, and so then I started to hear the teachings from uncles, relatives, other elders from different nations. I heard the stories about the healers and how they worked and the medicines they used. So I started to hear that, and I became hungry for it. And then, you know, I went to my first ceremony where it's like, with rituals, you know, with music, with medicine, with the language as a group. You know, and I, I remember I wanted to go to this, but I was afraid. I had some anxiety about making mistakes. I had never been in this, um, you know. But it's such a wonderful man doing the ceremony. He thanked us were coming and asked who had all been to a lodge before. And there's quite a few of us that never had been. He says, don't worry, I'm glad you're here. He said, and he calls his, um, this young fellow over and said, this is my helper. He's going to be a translator too. Because I'll be speaking in my language when we get into the sweat lodge. And he'll translate so you'll have some understanding. So we went in, you know, and I closed the door, and it's black and dark, and there you can see the rocks glowing in the pit. And he um, starts talking to us, and he's welcoming us to the ceremony. And he says, we're going to start the ceremony. So um, he, and he said, um, and I want you all to relax. I want you to enjoy this. He says, some of you are worried, you know, making mistakes. I want you to let you know you cannot make mistake with me here. And then um, he says, I can feel some of you smiling. Good, you're relaxing now. I want you to enjoy this and you're going to learn. So it's such a wonderful ceremony. And the translator was talking about his, what he was saying, you know, and he's doing his, he's talking to the Creator. And at one point, you know, there was four rounds, of course, uh, ritual and ceremony, you got the beginning and you got the end. The beginning, the middle, and the end. So in there, during the ceremony, in one of the rounds, he was, he was talking in his language, it sounded like it was very rhythmic, not monotone filled with feeling and could hear him weeping and the translator said um, he's praying for his grandchildren that they have teachers and healers in their life when he's gone oh I got touched this man was so compassionate so caring and I said I want that so authentic so sincere so real so that is my first group ceremony, indigenous, totally indigenous. You know, so I, I went home and I built a sweat lodge. You know, 
basically, I call it my treatment center. I'd have the urge to drink or do drugs, and I'd be walking up my up to my lodge with my blankets and axe and pitchfork, and you know, and I'd be spend over half a day there cutting wood, getting ready, and by the time I'm all done, I don't want to drink or do drugs. And I was up there one day, and um, I was inside, and then I hear this um, knocking on the wood outside on the tree. So I opened my lodge and looked out. It was one of my elders. And he says, I come here today. I heard you're doing this. He says, oh, I'm so glad you're Kwasanchut. You're training yourself. He says, I come up here to tell you, if you ever hear anything inside there or see anything, you don't run away. You just stay there and, um, you know, talk to it. Listen. Or just be quiet. Don't don't be scared. And um, he said, the reason I'm telling you this is because I was Anchute when I was young, too. Bathing, running, you know, sweat lodge, fasting, going up into the mountains by myself. And he says, I was up there, you know, in part of my training, and I was sitting up on the, near the top of the mountain. And he says, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I can see this rainbow spinning towards me, coming over the mountaintops above the lake. And he says, it came to me, and it was circling my around me. So I was talking to him in my mind, asking, what, what are you? And the answer was, I'm your helper. I'm your friend. Oh, he says. So he says, I asked that. Helper, what can I do when you're with me? And the helper said, anything. And he says, I asked this question. I, I wish I didn't ask it. You mean I could kill people too? And the rainbow answered, yes. He says, okay, I don't want you. You're not the one for me. And the rainbow left. And he said it never came back. He would train and train, fast, do all this stuff. And he says, that's why I don't want you to run. Don't turn anything away. It's all goodness coming to you. So that was uh, one of my first teachings. It wasn't even about how to do the sweat lodge. I was doing that for four years by myself just to learn a way to do it so it would be my way. Because I didn't have someone pass me down. I knew that there's four sessions or four rounds or four meditations, you know, that I'm going to be doing. So the ceremony is an event you know, where people come and participate and witness. They're very significant in indigenous life because there's lots of preparation to do a ceremony. If there's not lots, there is preparation to do. Even when you do sweat lodge, you get to gather the, the rocks or the grandparents, the wood, make sure there's water, everything that you need, you know, is there. Then if you're gonna call people, then you gotta feed them. So you gotta have food, you know, and <laughs> people to help. So that's an event, you know, and it's so significant and beautiful. Then the rituals are activities that the individual does or the group does. You know, with words, actions, gestures. For instance, when you raise your hands up, you're acknowledging somebody like lifting them up. You know, or you go, aha. Uh -huh. It means you're agreeing. I'm here, I'm listening to you. You know, so the rituals are activities. Words, gestures, action. You know, like uh, running was a ritual for me. Bathing was a ritual, doing it by myself. Rituals are proven ways of doing something, and that it works. You know, everything I was taught worked. As long as I applied myself, 
and done correct performance, done it properly. Don't mix alcohol with your ceremony, for instance. Don't charge for your ceremony. Take whatever they give you if they are going to give you. You know, so one of my rituals was, um, you know, of feeding our ancestors. I was at a feast in my community and we invited other other members of our tribe to our, our community. And we had a big feast and uh, the elder from another community, one of my distant relatives, they asked him to lamchal, you know, to bless the food. So he called me up, Jerry Shimacha. He says, come here. So I go up to him and he gives me a plate. He says, I'm going to do the blessing. And while I'm doing that, I want you to take a little piece of every, all the food that's on the table here. So I done that and I standing beside him. Then he finished and he said to the people, he said, Jerry has food here for our ancestors. He's going to bring it up to the trees and put it up in the trees so our ancestors can feast with us. Oh, I felt that when I brought the food into the trees, climbed up and put it in the branches, talking to my relatives, hey, come and eat with us. You know, and, uh, and that's a culturally approved custom. I've seen it happen with other, other nations in this Turtle Island. Other parts of ritual are music, you know, chanting and, uh, you know, pick up your hand drum or rattle and do this music. And dance, you can dance too. You know, move with the music, feel it. And I'm uh, part of my rituals when I'm picking medicine is I gift uh, medicine with tobacco or with a song. And I'm harvesting medicine, you know, plants, food, you know, when I go out to get it. You know, I, my uncle told me my great-grandfather's sweat lodge road always carried his covers with him on horseback when he went hunting or whatever he was doing, he would always have a lodge. So I started doing that too. You know, before I do haying, you know, I cut hay and bale it, I'd have a sweat lodge for safety and i get it done before the rain, you know, before I go harvesting fish and i camp two weeks down the river, I'd have a sweat lodge. You know, so I started to use ceremony and ritual by myself first, and then I had a chance to be with large groups. Oh, that was special. So as I was growing up in this, there was a conundrum for me which means it's a difficult problem. There was no one participating in my community that I know of, that I knew of at that time in our ceremonies and rituals. You know, and I wanted to return to our ways, and I didn't have a teacher. <laughs> and that's where the Chains of the Air podcast name comes from. I went to live with an elder, and I told this story, you know, and I would cook, do dishes, sweep the floor, live with these two elders and some of their grandchildren. In the evening, I would, after we finished eating, I'd put on water to boil for tea, and I'd wash the dishes. I finish the dishes, and I'm sweeping the floor, and the old man comes in sits at the table. I finish the dishes and sweep in the floor and I pour him a cup of tea. And he sits there and he starts telling me stories. He starts laying teachings at my feet. This man did not follow Christ, you know, so I was really glad to be with him, to hear Statlium way, or his way. You know, and he's the one that I, he said to me, you look down sometimes, Jerry. What is it? What's bothering you? 
I told him, oh, you know, we're losing our music, our ceremonies and rituals. And he sort of snorts <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, Jerry, if you want the music, you just go sit up in the, by the trees or the water or up on the mountain and listen. There's songs all over. He says, it's in the air. How do you think those songs, where do you think they come from? Other human beings <laughs> caught the music. You can do it too. You might have to work hard at it, but you can do it. Same with ceremony. They would go sit in the mountain sometimes for days and months to get a ceremony to help the people. He says, it's in the air. Everything you know comes through the air, Jerry. Everything. So, there was a teacher in my own land. And my granny was a teacher, too. I didn't know that because they weren't talking about religion or about God. They're talking about life, about plants, about animals, about the earth, about each other, about themselves. You know, so it was an eye-opener for me. Like the ceremony for afterbirth, to take part of that afterbirth and put it in a special bundle and put it in the earth or in the water or hang it in the tree. I asked my late grandmother, why, Mom, why do we do that? Why did our people used to do that? And she says, oh, son, you're going to connect a baby to the earth. Now the baby is going to be fed from food from the earth. And oxygen is going to come from the earth. When we're inside your mom, everything comes from your mother. Everything. Now that you're out in the world, the earth is going to feed you, going to gift you with everything you need to live. I said, what happens if uh, they don't do that, Mom? And she says, oh, they have a chance of going crazy, son. <laughs> I laugh today because I think that's what's happening with us, partially. You know, and then I, there was a naming ceremony. My grand auntie. You know, I said, um, going to give me her dad's name. Oh, we're going to have a feast. We're going to have a little giveaway, you know, and I covered the witnesses with blankets and got this name. Hand drumming after, oh, it was beautiful. Brought the people together. Then, of course, there's a, uh, you know, I think this is a one that's critical for our development. It was a vision quest, what they call the vision quest, and what my elder calls Kozanchut. So you'd go and sit there for, build you a little lodge, where I was a small lodge. And the elder had me pick fir boughs. And in the springtime, the tips were nice and light green, but it was very soft. He lined the floor with those boughs, like making a mattress. He says, okay, that's where you're going to be for four days and nights. He says, after a while, your breath is going to get strong, so you chew on some of these tips of these fir boughs, and it'll freshen your mouth. But don't swallow it. He says, Okay. <laughs> so I'm up there, you know. Because I asked him, I didn't ask for this ceremony. I just went to him and said, you remember when you said you would teach me? Because he told me he would teach me when I was uh, 13 or 14 years old. He says, I see something in you. And there, you know, I was thinking I didn't have elders that know the way. <laughs> but he knew the way. And... Uh, I was there, and I 
course, I talk to myself after I'm there for, you know, just for 12 hours, I'm there, you know, and I'm starting to feel the effects of fasting. And I started talking to myself, what are you doing here? What are you doing? And of course, my answer is, you are fasting. And, you know, I wasn't really settled. I was questioning and parts of me saying, I wish I didn't do this. You know, so I'm there two days, I'm like that. Suffering. And um, it's the third day. It's the first time I started using I statements in my life since probably since before grade one. I asked again in my mind, what are you doing? And my answer was, I am fasting. I'm looking for my purpose. Because they said, ask for something when you go there. I was looking, what am I supposed to do in life? So that's what, as soon as that happened, it's almost like it's dark in the lodge, but almost like the lights went on. It's daytime, and I could hear a bumblebee. And I'm sitting there waving my hands around my head because I thought it was inside the lodge. But it's circling the lodge outside my head. Hear bzzz, bzzz, bzzz. I say, oh, I could hear the wind in the trees, the insects. All of a sudden, I hear this little shuffling, snuffling sound. And the black bear came and walked around my lodge. And I went out. And it's like magical. I can see the green on the trees or pine trees and fir trees where I'm from. I can see the clouds in the sky and the mountains and the glaciers. It was just beautiful. Beautiful. And that's when I sat down again. I started to feel music, our music. And I started to formulate, I could see what I was to do. And it was to do music when I work, and also to be with people. Oh, and I finished that, and the elder come for me. Oh, I was walking down the mountain, I was weeping. I had my purpose now, I had my vision. So that's that ceremony for me, it's individual. Looking for help. Then of course we have weddings and memorials, you know, I've been I've done weddings, I've been to memorials and we're honoring our ancestors and our recent ones that went into the spirit world, usually a year or four years after, depending on the individual and the family. And the weddings, you know, like where people are tied together and talked to and encouraged how to be. Then, of course, there's a funeral, you know, and we help people let go to do their grieving, you know, to not to get stuck in pain and suffering. I'm not. I'm. I don't say no. Don't suffer. Don't. Don't reject that pain. It's better to let it out, to free yourself. It's natural to have pain when someone leaves. When you feel, you heal. I remember when my dad passed, my granny done that ceremony for me. Cut my hair, cut my toenails and fingernails, tied the buckskin laces around my ankles and wrists and neck told me to let go of my dad. Don't take those off. Let them fall off by themselves. She said, we're still here, son. Your mother's here. I'm here. Your brother's your sister. So you let him go. So I started weeping. I let my dad go. 
So the rituals, those are the ceremonies, the rituals, like I talked about my early morning running and bathing, smudge, you know, and I light the med- The fire releases the property inside the plants and the fungus and whatever you burn, that medicine. And I breathe it in through my nostrils, through my mouth, bring it to my eyes, my ears, my mind, my heart, talking to that medicine, to giving thanksgiving first and thanking the medicine. Then chanting, you know, and I, in the lodge, I sing these, do this chanting, one song for each round. You know, and I talk about my running, harvesting foods. Then there's the part about sending energy, and this is where you're healing over distance. As soon as I hear relatives or friends that are struggling with something, I use the words that my el- one of my elders taught me to send energy. And I would start to do that. And it, um, you know, <laughs> whether it works or not, it worked for me. I mean, it, it helped. I know my son got healed over distance by one of my teachers. Him doing ceremony, I didn't see what he was doing. Because he was telling me to work on my son in the hospital, which I was with one of my friends. So, and also witnessing when you, know, you go to a ceremony that family's putting on or an individual, it's like you're witnessing, and it helps them to be complete. So when you go there and they give you gifts and they feed you, you take it and you'll be thankful. And, um, you know, you can help them out too. Like I'd bring apples or something when the family's doing a big ceremony. Another part of this is you answer the call. So when someone calls you to go help at a ceremony or a ritual, you say yes. Because I myself at one time, you know, I didn't want to do that. I was um, insecure. I don't want to make a mistake. And I talked to one of my elders and I said, this family wants me to do this ceremony. He said, I think they should get someone that's older and has got more experience. And he looks at me and he says, Jerry, they want you. They trust you. So you go there and do your best. That's all that's required is you do your best. You can, you know how. You just got to do it. So answering the call is a ceremony in itself or a ritual. And also, you know, like I've done this many, many times now. One of my elders told me, I asked him, what do you do when somebody's really suffering? And he says, oh, Jerry, you go over to where they are and you tell them, if you need a, I'm here. If you need a hug, I'll give you a hug. If you need someone to talk to, I'll listen. If none of those, I'll still, I'm still here. I'll just sit quietly. And that's support. That's good support. So we have wonderful teachings, wonderful rituals and ceremonies. You know, so I, I then, after I don't know how many years, I started to disclose that I'm a pagan. A happy pagan. Which, the word pagan, uh, people talk like it's a dirty word. I know they used to call us pagan, savage, heathens. Like there was something wrong. But it simply means I'm practicing the ways of my people or, you know, I'm doing it my people's way. Like sweat lodge, bathing, burning medicine, drinking medicine, chewing medicine, helping people, you know, developing yourself. That is, that's indigenous. And also, you know, being indigenous means that everything is sacred. Trees, plants, animals, birds, fish, insects, crawling things, everything. And that we're all interconnected with everything. We're all one. You know, that's being indigenous. You know, like the ceremonies are events, significant events. Uh, oh, it takes families years to do a big potlatch or a big ceremony. You know, that's an event. When you go, then you see all, you'll understand all the work that goes into it. Sometimes it's years and years of preparation to do it properly. Oh, and they feed the people, they do their work, then they have a giveaway, you know, and that's to thank all the people for being there, witnessing. 
if there's children got names or puberty rights, you know, it was a big part of our ceremony was the giveaway and the thank yous. Oh, and it bind people together, and then they say, oh, I'm going to do that, what they done. And, of course, there's sometimes a little competition. I'll do it a little better, even though it's not necessary. <laughs> and, of course, rituals, again, are activities performed according to customs. Like I have a sweat lodge, you know, and I, I don't bring alcohol or drugs around, you know. I don't do any of that stuff, you know, like according to custom, what I was taught. Don't charge people when they come to your sweat lodge. You know, they're they're there for help. You know, so this ceremony, ritual road, you know, brought structure to my life. I know it used to bring structure to our society, our communities, our families. It's that these ceremonies is how we start to understand relationships with our family, you know, And the times we're told, oh, that's your brother's or that's your mother's relative or your dad's relative. We start to see how we're all connected, you know, and and also with friends and um, strangers even. I see strangers go to ceremony and be welcomed, be fed, be treated just like everyone else. You know, it's such a beautiful way. I now, I now know, understand the purpose and more importantly how I'm to conduct myself when I go to someone's ceremony. When I go, I'll just be quiet. They ask me to participate, to share something I will, but I go there because it's their way and I honor and respect that. I'm not there to correct anybody or tell anybody this is the way I do it. I go there and I just do what they're doing. That's being respectful. The ceremony and ritual really got me to, taught me how to look at myself, not to take myself so seriously, you know, to, to live a good life, to take care of myself. You know, when I go through ceremony and ritual, I come away often with a changed state of mind. I'm relaxed, you know, I just burn a smudge or sweet grass or a sage, and I just smell it and I can feel myself changing. I do a song, especially if I sing with other people, I can feel it too. You know, so, you know, because of ceremony and ritual, I know my mind, my body, and my spirit have been strengthened. I'm stronger today because of it. You know, I became um, hooked up with the people. During ceremony, I come, become one with the people. You know, when we're singing in ceremony, we're all one because we're breathing together, making the noises together, the music. You know, and uh, being at ceremony, too, feels like you're in university or college or something because it's there that the elders and knowledge keepers will, uh, you know, give teachings about our way of life, our way of doing things. You know, when I lived without ceremony and ritual, I was living halfway life, disconnected, you know, prone to suffering, depression, fear, anger. Didn't know what to do with it, to just sit inside of me and get bigger. That feeling of being stuck is not a good feeling, not moving. Oh, it was... Uh, That is a sad life. Not feeling one with a group of people. Not feeling joy and happiness, you know, and pride. I've gone to ceremony and I've watched the people doing their rituals during the ceremony and I'd get tears in my eyes. I'd hear the music and see the sincerity and what they're getting out of it. Oh, there's so much beauty. And to see that all that hard work that goes into it, so I knew that they work together. When you call the people, you want to make sure they're fed and they're taken care of. 
Oh, I've been to ceremony, and we, you know, our lives have changed. I was at this one ceremony, and we're all sitting there, and it's a day-long ceremony. And uh, all of a sudden, I see these young, these young nephew and niece come out, three of them. One's carrying a sign, and two are carrying boxes. The sign says, any diabetics, wave your hand. I see people wave their hand and they go up with a bag of food for them. You know, that was so beautiful. You know, taking care of the people. You know, that's the beauty of ceremony. It's a glue that holds our people together before. We need that glue again. You know, so our people can become one move as one, to help our children, to help our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our friends and relatives, so that we don't have to suffer unnecessary suffering. Suffering is part of life, but unnecessary suffering, you know, teach our children to take care of their body, take care of their mind and their spirit. Teach each other. It doesn't even have to be just children, all of us. Prevention is the best medicine. Ceremony and ritual taught me not to put myself in harm's way, to take responsibility for my life, to be accountable for what I say and what I do. They ask me to go, I'm going to show up. And if I can't, I'm going to send a message and I'm going to send gifts to them, apologizing because I can't make it. That's a proper thing to do. Because sometimes things come up and you just simply cannot make it. So, you know, so it was, um, it's been a wonderful road since I turned myself over to being a pagan. The first time I publicly disclosed that I'm a pagan, I was at this workshop in this community. It's all men. <laughs> so we're at the circle and introducing ourselves, you know, and why we're there and what we want to learn and stuff like that. And I, I'm one of the facilitators, so I said, yeah, my, I told them my name and where I'm from, and I said, I'm a pagan. And there was a minister there, a white man. He jumps up and says, no, you're not. No, you're not a pagan. You know? And I said, please. I said, I am, which means I follow the ways of my people. The guidelines they set up for sweat lodge, for harvesting food, for how I treat myself, how I treat others. I'm a pagan. I'm a happy pagan. You know? <laughs> so I, I started to stand up for myself and what my beliefs are. I would ask that you do the same for your beliefs. And just because I'm telling you this doesn't mean I want, I'm asking you to believe the way I believe. This is what I sorted out in my mind. This has been my experience. My beliefs are on spirit, for instance. You know, I meditated, I don't know how long about spirit. You know, how is it be, how, how, because <laughs> I, I did understand that there's a spirit in my body. And it leaves my body. My body's going to fall apart. I got that part. And I started to think, where does it come from? And, uh, oh, I hear people say, we come from the stars. We come from the universe. And we come down to be a human being. Well, how does that happen? And I say, oh, I owe my life to my mom and dad. That sperm and egg got together, bang. It's my spirit. One plus one is two. I'm actually two. I'm part of my mom, part of my dad. And that spirit, spirit is saying the breath, breath of life. Now because of that, I have life now. My cells divide and I grow and develop all my fingers and toes, my eyes, my ears, my brain, everything I have held together by my spirit. 
So my spirit came through my parents. My spirit holds my body together. And when my spirit is strong, I have an incredible will to live and to participate in life. It doesn't matter what's going on, how cold it gets, how hot it is, how uncomfortable it is because it's raining or snowing or windy. I still want to be here and I want to participate in life, accept the challenges, and go with the flow. Try not to over-control life. My spirit is strong. That's the way I am. And also when my spirit is strong, I want to be successful at everything I do. Oh, I'm working at that, you know. Even though my spirit feels strong, there's still a lot of things I want to do properly, I want to do differently. But I'm working on it. I wanted to be successful at being a worker. And I have achieved that. You know, there's other areas I get questionable about my community. I'm away from my community now for, oh, 30 years or something. Go back once in a while. You know, the success means that you start something, you finish it, and you do the best you can. I'm learning that bit by bit, and I, my excuse sometimes, oh, it's alcohol and drugs I've done, they slowed me down. They altered me somehow. But that's not, you know, it might be true in some ways, but I'm still capable. I'm a capable, lovable human being. And when I my spirit is good, I'm kind, not only to myself, but to others. Don't be critical, don't bring people down, don't chastise them for making a mistake. Help them to learn. Be generous in spirit. Give people your time when you have it. Sometimes I agree to do too much and then I'll water down my effectiveness. So I'm still learning communication, being authentic, being sincere. Because if you're sincere in life, you know, it's going to go good. You're authentic, really, it's you. This is me. You can be authentic. So we're made up of a mind, a body, and a spirit. Your body, you know, is... You know, we nourish it with moose meat and fish, and as soon as we eat it, our body transforms it into us, you know, our muscles, our cells. We can't live without nourishment, without water and food. And our body transforms it into us, which is a far-out thought, you know. Then, of course, there's hugs and acknowledgement. Helps our body, too. And our body's got lots of tools, lots of gifts. The gifts of voice, of hearing, of talking, of feeling, smell, and also of feeling. When you got that feeling, whatever it is, you let it out. If it's crying, you weep. Sometimes you have to go weep by yourself because other people are doing something else. Weeping is not so cool then. Elders would say, go beside the big tree and weep there or down by the river. Let your worries get into the water and the water will take it away and put it where it won't hurt anybody. And our mind, you know, that's where our problems are. There's lots of memories of mistakes usually. And that's what we eliminate through ceremony and ritual. So that's why ceremony and ritual needs to be consistent. So we're constantly freeing ourselves. In our mind, the nourishment for our mind is being stimulated with wonderful teachings and wonderful words or readings or just seeing people work together can teach you how to be like them. You know, so 
all the rituals and ceremonies for her. Just the benefits to me are tremendous. For me, participating in ceremony and doing ritual has been beneficial for me. Definitely. I don't know where I'd be without it. I might be a miserable old guy, you know. <laughs> then finally, uh, you know, I haven't talked to too many people about this, maybe one or two. The Great Spirit. You know, you hear about God, you hear about Creator. So I say the Great Spirit. My first vision of a God was a man up in the clouds with a beard, a white guy. You know? <laughs> so I, uh, I started to let that go. and um, I'm not sure if that's what they really meant, but my young mind, you know, translated it that way. I don't want to be, feel like I'm Christian bashing or anything. I was asked by this young Christian, I'd have an ice cream at the ice cream place outside in the summertime. And he comes up to me and he says, I found Jesus. I said, oh, good for you. He says, yeah, I found the Lord. Good. So I'm sitting there eating ice cream and he says, can I pray over you? Can I help you? I said, oh, no, I'm all right. He says, no, no. He says, I'd like to help you. I'd like to pray over you. I says, no, I'm okay. And he looks at me and says, you believe in Jesus. I said, yes, I also believe in Buddha and Muhammad and the other spiritual leaders. You know, but I'm okay. I don't need being prayed over. I'm okay. I'm all right. And he looks at me and says, okay, sir, enjoy your ice cream, and he leaves. You know, so I'm not here to indoctrinate you. You know, but I developed... I've been, you know, I don't know how many years ago now, 20 years ago or more, or my elder said how we refute, we refer to, he didn't say God, but he says what holds everything together. And that made sense to me because there's a spirit holding my body together and there's a great spirit holding Mother Earth together. I just come to this awareness a month ago in my sweat lodge. During a pandemic, I'm not moving, so I sweat lodge usually every, once a week, but sometimes four days in a row. And when I was in there and I said, doing my sending energy and asking for help and wanting to connect to the Great Spirit. And I'm sitting in there, and it's darkness, of course, and I can see the sparkles of the medicine on the rocks, the grandparents, I call them. And I'm sitting there, and it dawned on me. The Creator this is powerful spirit holding the earth together. The earth is its body, the spirit. Just like there's a spirit holding my body together. If that spirit ever leaves the earth, the earth will fall apart. Just like my body could be hurt, the earth's body could be hurt. But it doesn't give up. Just like me, I haven't given up. So I was sitting there and I said, oh, because I remember I was looking at the stars. I start my fire at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm looking up at them, stars from Brandon, Manitoba. And I'm thinking, that's infinity. There's no end to that. <laughs> sort of gets me dizzy thinking like that. Then after I'm in the lodge and I start thinking about what holds everything together, I say, ah. Oh. That's a great spirit for here. There's many other great spirits out in the universe, but I don't even have to worry or go there. Just know that there's one here for me. It's Mother Earth. 
to honor Mother Earth. To honor Mother Earth. Yes, so now to honor that spirit, the Mother Earth spirit is where I am now. You know, there are more than likely and beyond a doubt, multiple, multiple, a multitude of great spirits out in the universe. But you know, that's, that's, that's for them out there, I just have to be with the one I have here. And that's what I honor today. And that's what I give thanksgiving to for my life. That everything that I have comes from the earth. The earth is my keeper. And that spirit inside of that earth or that's holding that earth together, the planet together. That's my path today. Just to give thanksgiving, to be grateful, to have an attitude of gratitude, not to ask for anything. Just be thankful for everything I've received and I'm going to receive in the future. That's the way for me. So whatever way you can find peace, I encourage you to give a lot of thought to this and have discussions of it or meditation about how you're going to approach this world of spirit and great spirit, our God. Because it's brought me peace, thinking this way, believing this way. Purpose, peace, you know, that sense of awe and wonder. Oh, I'm so happy that I've come to this path this way. Because I can feel the beauty. It's like I can see the teachings in here. I can see the beauty. I can hear the beauty. I can feel the beauty. I can sense the beauty. I can touch it. <laughs> That's a good way. So, in a way, as soon as I was born, the ceremony begun. Life is a ceremony for me today. Oh, to have that discipline to give thanks every time I have water, like I've seen elders in the past do, I still have a long way to go with that, but at least I'm in the right direction. To be thankful for friends and relatives, to be thankful for food, for oxygen, for trees, for other life forms. You know, that because of my conclusions, I live that today. So I hope that I haven't offended anyone or this, you know, gives you something to think about. Because these rituals and ceremonies are meant to help us. You know, the birthing ceremony, the naming, the puberty rites, the weddings, uh, you know, passing on a responsibility to have a ceremony and say, this one now is going to be the one that takes care of this in our ceremony. You know, passing on a chain of teachings of a way to live passed on through thousands of years might not be exactly the same. Of course, it isn't. You know, 500 years ago, they weren't driving in vehicles and talking on cell phones. They were doing ceremony like we do ceremony today. It's just in some ways it's become easier, in some ways more difficult. So let the ceremony begin for yourself. You know, I know that ceremony is something. It's an action that we do. And we've been doing it now that I do it my way. I do it time and time again. And sometimes it'll change a little. 
Sometimes I leave something out and I add something. But it's my ceremony. So you let the ceremony begin so you can see the teachings, hear the teachings, feel the teachings, touch, honor those teachings that come through the air that show us a way to behave, show us a way to be grateful, show us a way to heal. So I'd just like to thank you for listening to this episode of Indigenous Is. Indigenous Is Ceremony and Ritual Consistently. And we need that more for times around pandemic and everything that happens. You know, there's forest fires, there's wars, there's everything that can happen to human beings has happened throughout time. It's happening now. And we need to keep our spirit strong, our body strong, our mind strong for the children and for the ones that we're not even going to see. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful, safe year. Bye-bye. <laughs>